Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of All About Sports, the podcast. You might already know Krishna and, and me, Aniket, but we have a third person on the screen today and in audio as well for those who are listening in. Please say hi to Fuzel, everyone. Fuzel, you can wave, you can say hi, whatever you believe is the appropriate greeting. <laughs> and we have Fuzel here because he loves a very specific sport. He is a big, big fan of Formula One. So much so that he has his own eSports league surrounding it. Fuzel, you want to tell everyone something about that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, obviously we all like to like simulate experiences. Uh, I mean, if you, you know, if you are a fan of football, you go out and play football. But it's a little, little difficult to go out and drive a Formula One car. So <laughs> the best, best I can do is uh, try and simulate that experience in my living room. So I play the F1 game a lot. I've been playing it for, I think, since F1 2016, so about five years now. Um, so the experience, so I have an esports league. What that means is basically I have a group of 20 people that get together every week at the same time. Do uh, go through qualifying, go through a uh, 50% race distance. Takes about an hour and a half, and we basically throughout we go through the entire calendar. We keep track of our points, our penalties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who got poles, who got wins? You know, we have like a very nice spreadsheet keeping track of everything. And at the end of the season, one person becomes the drivers' champion. The other uh, and a team uh, a team becomes a constructor champion. Now, obviously, we don't get anything out of it except just. Like, a little bit of the sheer know, joy of the winning. Sheer joy. It's it's pure bragging rights. Like the the ability to say, "Oh, I'm a you know a one time racing, one time season champion or a two time champion." Is that that that's all? Because most like other like the race is what an hour and a half a week. The remainder of the hours of the week, all we do is trash talk. So <laughs> that, that's the experience. So what we do, yeah. So basically, we uh, we play the we play the news game. We play F1 2020. We set up a lobby. We have we usually have about eighteen to twenty people showing up. I mean, obviously, people have other commitments, so sometimes they can't make it. But uh, yeah, we go through the entire calendar. I have the British Grand Prix in a, a little while from an hour from now. Um, at the time of recording, so uh, we also have a commentator. We also have a couple of people that join uh, just as spectators in the lobby, where they basically commentate. You know, they are the they are our Brundle and um, Karun Chandok, and they they basically provide the entire coverage for it. And they commentate. They go. They try to catch as many battles as possible. And you know, uh, we have uh, an entire system of stewards as well. Like if if you think some, I mean, we aren't obviously as experienced as like professional Formula One drivers. We make a lot more mistakes than they do. So yeah. if we hit someone off, if something unfair happens, if I get rear-ended, I'm gonna you know record a clip of that and be like, hey stewards, look at this. This driver hit me. This is not supposed to happen. I think like basically the entire purpose of having a league is because if you just go to a random online lobby, it's a very, very painful experience because people are literally out there just to, you know, give you damage and hit you off. And it's just not fun that way. The whole point <laughs> of doing this, the whole point of doing this is so that we have other clean drivers to, to race against. So, I mean, I basically have, so we, a lot of us use either the controller and most of us use like a wheel and pedals and stuff like that. So I have a, I have a, a, a car seat inside in my living room. So 
we try to simulate the experience as best as we can, but you know, it only gets that far. Um, hopefully, we can. I think I think the league would definitely help you keep the Luca Colberries out <laughs> for those who have been keeping track. Um, oh, Luca Colberry kind of had an incident. Let's put it very kindly <laughs> <laughs> at the karting championships. Also, uh, you didn't give out the name. Come on, go for the name. Although we are going to put oh, oh, every, oh, yeah, every yeah. link possible <laughs> in my our bad, descriptions. My Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. wanted to say it. <laughs> uh, the league is called Zenith Online Racing. Um, we formed it about a year and a half ago. Um, just a bunch of like bunch of. So I joined a different league called Apex Online Racing, AOR, which is pretty huge. It's big among YouTubers as well. It's got like thousand like different so many. Th- it's got thousands of drivers across tens of different divisions across different platforms, and you know they literally have divisions by continents. They have uh, they have a North American. Uh, division they have like like 10 european divisions they have an asia pacific division stuff like that so that's where i started racing for the first time i started meeting other like-minded people you know who are into sim racing who are into formula one as much as i am and then we just like you know broke off and made our own league because like we weren't happy with a few things aor did but yeah so we made our own league called zenith online racing zor for short and yeah we Stream to YouTube at least thrice a week. So Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays. It's the final lap. Can Camden hang on to this? This could be a photo finish between these two. Can Camden fight this back right now? Packer absolutely flying behind. He's so close. Camden covers him though. Contact. A bit of contact, I think. Yes, Camden squeezes. Oh, Camden almost into the barrier. They're side by side still. And they bump again. I Packer through. If Camden can hang on, this works. Oh, late send. Oh my. Ill advised in there. Yes, He's that's true. This is well. going to be this crazy. Be... Oh, no, Beck's out. Beck has spun. Huge crash. No. There goes Darth. Awful place. Man. That, that is lovely. <laughs> and just, just a question, slightly yeah. personal. Sure. What's his position on the drivers' <laughs> championship this season? <laughs> so, uh, that's a tough question. That's I, not I good. That doesn't sound I'm, good. I'm definitely not one of the quickest drivers by any means. Um, <laughs> I am very, very comfortably mid-table. So I think I am at the moment 12th in the standings and I have, I think like maybe 60 points. I don't even remember. We are about halfway through the season. I think we, we are 12 races in of the 22 race calendar, the official calendar that was supposed to happen this year, but you know, didn't happen. But yeah, with 12 races in, I think I have about 60 points sat comfortably in 12th. But are you, yeah. are you retaining your seat for next year, Fazel? Hopefully, hopefully. The, 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 the concerning thing was, thing with that is I'm actually second driver at Red Bull. So I'm very, very oh. scared about my seat right now. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are really trying to simulate the other funny thing as well is I got replaced mid-season like I joined Red Bull mid-season and I'm comfortably second driver because the other one is much faster than I am he's actually competing for the oh, time man. I'm nowhere close and, <laughs> you know, I will see how it goes oh, yeah. oh, right. simulate, yeah, simulation <laughs> is very <laughs> lifelike <laughs> alright so 
to kind of rein it in and mm-hmm. let everyone know what we are actually here for. So there, Krishnan and I are going to try and put our finger down on what have been the most key and pivotal changes, rules and regulations-wise, since the turn of the millennia. That is what we are here for today. So I'm going to open it up to Fuzel because, well, you don't need to hear his credentials again because they're, they're perfect. All right. So what do you think is the key change over the last 20, 21 seasons? Key change. I think the most significant, well, I say significant, but the most apparent change for me has been um, the engines. One, because I feel like when growing up, when we started watching F1, it was uh, it, Formula One cars had a very distinct sound. And I think anyone, any Formula One fan would go and tell you, even though the cars are quicker, even though you know the engines are more efficient, they do more with less. Anyone would say that those old engines sounded so much better. <laughs> those, those those loud, shrill V10s, I think the, the the sound is just incomparable. Like the engines now are still loud, really, really loud and really like gritty, but it's just like, it was, it was what basically set Formula One apart in the world of motorsport because of how powerful and how loud and how um, like high pitched those en- engines were. Other than that, there have been so many, so many smaller, you know, smaller and significant changes as well. Like, for example, uh, uh, pit stop strategies have completely changed. They've flipped on its head sure. because they stopped refueling. Uh, tire strategies, uh, you know, uh, there's the, like the introduction of so many safety measures. I, I want to say like the introduction of the halo in the last couple of years has been a, a very massive thing. No one has like people who are opposed to it because of how it looked initially. But no one can absolutely no one can question how you know how important they've been like how important of a safety measure uh, they've been as an addition yeah, to this I, mean, I don't think how a formula one car looks like <laughs> really <laughs> makes so much of an argument right yeah. but just to kind of button down on what you said with regards to the engine so up until 2005 a 3 liter v10 was yes. standard 2006 onwards Moved toward 2.4 liter V8. Certain exceptions, V10s were permitted in case of in case a team can't procure a V8. And 2014 onwards is when the big one kicked in, right? 1.6 liter hybrid V6. Yeah. And also, we stopped calling it an engine since then. It's a power unit now. So it's a power, and I think that's a fair uh, change because it's not. It's more than just an internal combustion engine, you know. Like yeah. there's so many yeah. different components to it now. With the addition of the MGUK, MGUH, there's like uh, turbo, turbocharged, like so many uh, small additions to it now. So, so ju- again, why is it different? Why is a power unit different from an engine? A power unit comprises of the engine plus the ERS. Right. All right, so the ERS is the energy recovery system, which has multiple parts, mm-hmm. which is the MGUK, formerly known as GERS, but now a part of the power unit, the MGUH, which also does a similar function, but is trying to conserve different uh, energy, like waste energy from a different source, which is from the, the exhaust gas yeah. heat, which is being kind of wasted. 
is trying to be is harnessed as energy and of course the energy store which is to reserve the energy saved and the control unit to regulate how much of that you could actually use to power your rare wheels right so that so which is why the v8 and v10 v8 era completely different from a v6 it's no longer just an engine what what are your thoughts is is are we all very nostalgic about a v10 or do you see like a performance difference because a performance difference in terms of uh, reliability also because let's be honest 95 to 2005 there were a couple of wonky engines on the grid which you don't see very often since the v6 is been in place yeah yeah so uh, i think it, we are kind of nostalgic because the engine regulation changes have been done for a reason those reasons are i mean i think naturally naturally hybrid engines if they are done correctly are much more efficient like i said they do a lot more with a lot less so a v6 a turbocharged v6 with the an energy recovery system produces a lot more power than those raw power v10s and but there's just so much wastage like i think a big uh, aspect of uh, you know making these changes was the environmental impact because the those engines would those v10 engines would consume a lot more fuel there was no there basically used to be no limitations on fuel there used to be no limitations on the fuel flow to the engine but all both of those things are limited now we like the cars can carry only a certain only a certain amount of maximum fuel and obviously they would want to carry less because you know the added weight uh, makes them slower there's uh, limitations on the fuel flow to the engines as well so uh, like i think just the, ask ferrari right about the fuel <laughs> flow <laughs> we don't talk about ferrari <laughs> um so um yeah i think the environmental impact was uh, one of the big reasons for making that change and uh hybrid engines like even modern supercars like modern hypercars they're they're called now uh, like the ferrari la ferrari the you know the mclaren p1 the porsche 918 the these cars have produced really really powerful engines but they're just not they're not just you know raw power raw raw brake power power engines they hybrid engines as well they also harvest electrical energy they have battery powered and it just it's just that little extra kick for you know kick for the car that it just makes it that much quicker because electrical energy is transmitted immediately right there's no lag there's no delay that you know that a normal a regular engine would have so it's just it's just like the cars have obviously gotten a lot faster than they have like every every weekend a lap record is getting broken a lap record that has probably stood for a decade has is just getting smashed every other lap by hamilton and by by mercedes for the most part but <laughs> no. so, again uh fozel put it very well right so the statement which was made when the transition to a v6 hybrid took place was that we want to utilize the innovation or the innovative capabilities of the constructors into developing engines cars or technologies which can be further utilized in the production of road cars yeah. all right so fuzel i think he put it very well in his statement regarding this but now to switch over to krishna <laughs> what do you think is a sticky point in 
the multiple regulation changes which we've had. All right, it could be a good change also. Just saying, I I termed it pretty poorly there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I uh, no, I th- thanks, Lord Gui. I should say my uh, my brain power is is not as high as you two. So I chose a slightly l- a less technical one, which is uh, which is the point system and. Uh, for those of you watching, uh, Gui's created a little, um, a, a little short summary of how the point system kind of changed and how the point systems evolved uh, in Formula One. And I think it likely has had some impact on people at the top getting a little more distance from people who are in, you know, uh, in the midfield and kind of might play a role in why since you know twenty fifth. Uh, since 2014, we've seen this Mercedes dominance with really competition only within Mercedes. But just to provide a brief overview, um, if you're viewing this on YouTube or any other video uh, video platform, you can see this. But until 2002, basically, the points only went from the first to the sixth place. Number one would get 10 points. Um, and then it goes six, four, three, two, one, with sixth place getting one point. Um, in 2003, they switched it over. Such that it goes, it the, the the number of people getting points is a little, are a few more. So um, the points were distributed up till the racer who finished P8. Um, so it would start again with the number one racer receiving one point. But now the number two racer instead of receiving six points would receive eight points, and then six, five, four, three, two, one until P8 with receiving just one point. But in 2010 is really when the biggest switch happened. Um, where they moved it pretty drastically to massively favor, um, especially number one. So if you finish P1, according to the current system, you get 25 points. And the number of racers getting points now is expanded to P1 to P10, with P10 getting one point. Um, But from the top, it's P1 gets 25 points, P2 gets 18 points, P3 gets 15 points, P4 with 12 points. P5 with 10 points, um, and then 6, 8, 4, 2, 1 with P10 getting just, just one point. Um, I, I wanted to throw this out to, to both of you. How, do, what do you all think about the point system change? Because it's obviously had, an, I think it's had an impact on racing. Um, like it, dislike it, things that you would change. What are your general thoughts on you know, the, the changes that have happened since the 2000s? So personally, I think I like this change a lot because it does two things for me. One, it rewards winning a lot more than previously because like there's a seven point gap for winning versus what it used to be a two point or a four point advantage. I think it makes sense to avoid point award points this way because it basically, uh, you know, rewards getting a higher position because, you know, getting a higher position gets progressively more and more difficult. So getting first place is obviously much harder than getting third or, third or fourth. So that advantage should be that much more significant, like a seven point advantage for finishing first over second and three points from second to third and third to fourth and stuff like that. So I think it's basically rewarding drivers to go for it, to go push for it instead of, you know, being okay with eight points finishing second, it's giving them that extra added incentive to go for the win. It makes it a lot more entertaining for us. The second thing I think it does, the fact that we went from uh, uh, awarding points to only six drivers to the top 10 drivers is giving us a very, very intense and tight and interesting midfield battle. 
the fact that even people from finishing seventh to tenth are getting points, that means now more people are battling for points than they than you know they used to. Like if I was in eighth eighth place, I probably get no points. I, I don't get any points, and I'm just you know I've accepted my fate and not doing anything. But now even if I'm in eleventh or twelfth, I have that incentive to go and uh, push, and you, you know even one point can make a big difference in the championship, right? So. <clears throat> Especially now, I think in the last year or two, it's, this year I want to say especially the midfield battle has been the tightest and the closest it has ever been. Like teams like Racing Point, Alfa Tauri, McLaren, and I hate to admit this, but Ferrari are battling for those midfield positions. <laughs> they make for such amazing battles. Like after turn one, Lewis and uh, Valtteri have basically, if turn one and two, they, if they are in that position, that's it. The podium is done. Verstappen is somehow going to drag it to third. But fourth down, fourth to twelfth place, I want to say, is just incredible. Like It's constantly, constant position swaps, constant battling. These cars are not afraid to go side by side. Like These drivers have so much more confidence in their own cars now that, you know, that they, they, with the way these cars have developed, they have so much more downforce. They're just confident to throw it into a corner, just, you know, stick it, hang it around the outside and stuff. It's, it's amazing to watch. So I, I think those are the two key benefits of having this new point system where more drivers get points and, you know, there's more of an incentive to, for, to finish higher than, you know, than there would be before. Yeah, you're just incentivizing more places. So more people compete as opposed to, retire or just finish a race doesn't matter if i'm 9th or 12th 16th 18th whatever so i think great point it is absolutely a very very strong incentive to battle harder for the non-top three spots <laughs> okay not top six because okay since we are talking about the change from the original top six yeah but what do you think about the argument that it has kind of made it less competitive in the sense that the gap between one and two is so large that it can't be closed down. See, that's fair. Uh, like, it, it, it's harder to close down for sure because it's not like a one point or a two point gap. Like, we no longer see, you know, Raikkonen going on the going into the championship, going in the final race, third in the championship, and then ending up winning by one point. It's very, very rare and unlikely to see that. But despite that, I think throughout the season, it just, you know, like it's it's making the drivers push a lot more. Like. As much as we we might think Bottas is not a you know championship contender, it's just like even if he if he manages to put together a few good races, like three or four good races, he could close that gap right back up, even after having one bad race, you know. But it, it, it like the old point system basically says, okay, if if there are two drivers, if they let's say the championship is five seasons long, sorry, five races long, hypothetically. If a driver finishes first for four races consecutively and a second driver finishes second for four races consecutively, the second driver could basically win the win the last one and the and driver number one could just DNF and the championship just swings. So basically he's saying I got nothing for winning 80% of the races in the season. So it does, I guess, reduce the gap in the in the in the championship, but it's still incentivizing consistency. I think it, it, it it's more it's less out in, it's less uh, out in the open, but it's just basically rewarding drivers who are 
constantly doing well. Like Hamilton consistently finishes first or second. Verstappen consistently finishes on the podium. I think that's what it's incentivizing. So even if they had, even if they had one or two bad races in the entire season, it's just you know they're not throwing away their position because of it. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense, and um, I I think. It, it's 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 exactly like you all mentioned. It's the battle between having an exciting battle the top versus having an exciting battle in the midfield. And until you know Red Bull or at this point probably not Ferrari, but maybe <laughs> maybe Racing Point catches up to Mercedes. It seems like what? The, I, I heard Racing Point. I, I heard you say Racing <laughs> Point. I <laughs> So until those teams kind of catch up, it seems like it's an internal battle. But that's that's a really good point that you made, Fazel. That it it does reward consistent performance, and winning is just awarded a lot a lot more than in the past. I also wanted a couple of just a couple of quick um, point changes that were made that they just tested out for one year. They tried double points for the final race. Yeah. Immediately cancelled it. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is you know fastest lap one point. I can't imagine anyone has an issue with the fast. The fast lap is just a fun one. You see a lot of guys switching to like the soft tires just to like race around that last yeah. lap, and it's it's pretty fun. Any any thoughts on any special points you would you would like to add, or what do you think of the ones that they tested slash have in place? So, so I just before I answer, so that one I think Fuzair mentioned like with a very good example, right? You could DNF the last race and lose. Well, it almost happened. Not not in the same sense, but. After Schumacher wins with two races to spare, the 2003 points change kicks in. Same season, Raikkonen is two points away from him at the end of the season. Guess how many Schumacher won? He had six wins, as opposed to Raikkonen's one, and they were just two points away. So it did do the job of making the top two spots really competitive. But it would—I mean, Fuzel said it. Yes, it would be a shame if someone with six wins would lose to someone with say one or two wins. Mm-hmm. Even if that man is Kimi, I'll say it. Even if that man is Kimi, it 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 just wouldn't sit right. Um, and to come back to your question, <laughs> some weird ones. I think they tried to bring back or no no not bring back. They tried to implement the maximum number of wins. Gets the drivers' championship. I think that happened sometime pre 2010. Uh, no, they tried to. I was in the attempt to mm-hmm. make it that way happened, <laughs> but uh, all teams unanimously rejected it. They said, "No thanks, we don't want this bet." <laughs> also, it's too close to the season for us to decide. But again, that would be interesting as well, right? I mean, again, we are not here to experiment. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, All ten uh, constructors could get together and say, "You know what? Let's just have a fun one this time <laughs> with all the all the money we put into our cars, our racers, research, and well, <laughs> enough to go broke five seasons in. Let's just have a fun one. I don't think that's gonna happen, even though that <laughs> it was attempted. But yeah, I think I don't I don't complain much. A lot of people." Um, Think that the gap is too wide at the top in terms of points, but the closest season in F1 history where Kimi beats Lewis by a point, that result would still hold. That result still holds in the new point system or the old point system. So, 
if that does not change and again doesn't change by much i think it may be its lowest by about 7 points and but again he was not behind by just um, seven he was behind by more than seven points at the start of the last race so i can't complain about this one even though most people like to because they believe that okay there's a hamilton bias let's admit not too many people want to give him the props he deserves so we're finding ways to complain at this moment <laughs> that's what i feel like <laughs> so those are two really big slightly controversial changes in which are more okay let's say nostalgia driven <laughs> in the sense that oh we times were great old point system was great but now from a strategy aspect strategy point of view i think two things which have really okay not let's not say <laughs> turned things around completely but really had an impact at the change in the tire manufacturers and refueling so the, the i think removing refueling kind of pulls back on the strategy aspect but having high degradation tires and pirelli adds to the strategy aspect you have to manage the tires more but again the refueling lighter cars that aspect is toned down so what do you think about that because refueling got banned in 2010 there are some conversations around it um trying to make a way back into f1 some drivers support it alonso being one i think uh, the argument is that you want a lighter car considering the number of weight increases the car has had with the halo and other aspects as well again very strategic <laughs> very very strategic point here in terms of number of pit stops number and again fuel weight but what do you think about refueling and tires that is that is a big one for me so uh, refueling i don't have very strong feelings about refueling coming back or you know being staying abandoned because i uh, i i see the point in removing refueling it was mainly because of the safety issues because we've seen uh, so many pit lane fires because you know a fuel nozzle just didn't come off in time or you know something went wrong with with that part so it's better for that fuel that a combustible liquid just stay in an enclosed space um for as long as possible so i see the the benefit in not having refueling and i think it like obviously it's a smart decision because it just because that pit crew is is doing so much already like they're already risking so <laughs> much with you know a, a car can easily hit them and they're just at the discretion of the drivers so <clears throat> i think I, i think it's a good i think it's a good thing that uh, refueling isn't the thing anymore because you know so there have been so many strides made in terms of driver safety and pit crew safety in the last decade or two it, it, i think it, in in down in that aspect re- bringing refueling back might be a step backwards and i don't know if that's a, a good thing um another thing uh, i guess is so like alonso would say the the um the thing is with the car weight it it overweights the car if you just add race fuel to the add race fuel right at the beginning but then it's also limiting the amount of weight uh, amount the weight of the fuel that can be added to the car anyway it's 110 kilograms of fuel so 
I mean, who's to say that how how difficult would it be to regulate the amount of fuel that is put into the car if refueling was a thing? Like, I could, you know, you could start the race with a little less fuel, but then on your first stop, if you make an early stop, you could just put the fuel, put a lot of fuel in, and then you know, want to burn it off quickly because you want to do quicker laps and stuff like that. So, um, I I personally don't see a lot of benefit in bringing it back. I know strategy is a thing, but I think strategies are well done now even with the tire degradation so that's a good segue because tire degradation is such a massive uh like thing to consider every time going into a race weekend um strategies are like just today just earlier today in the race uh in the portimao grand prix uh like the two mercedes started on the medium tires because you know they last way longer than the softs the softs just die very quickly and we saw people starting to pit on like lap 14 and 15 of a, of a 60 plus lap race so and the medium tires just kept on going so uh, is definitely and plus like the way temperature plays into it the way you know the weight of the car also uh, you know affects tire degradation the heavier the car is the faster the, the tires are going to degrade so uh, you know softer tires would last so soft tires could last 15 laps at the beginning of the race but at the end of the race when the cars are lighter when they burned off the fuel they could last maybe maybe 18 laps 20 laps so i think that that just that aspect of uh strategy is still very well done like deems are spending entire there's the limited amount of two hour practice sessions that they get that you know just to figure out what the tires are going to do and how much can we extract out of them you know they're, they're trying to maximize what they can do uh, and you know trying to minimize tire deck by setting up the car in a certain way but uh uh, the like the aerodynamic regulations are limited so that there's not that much load on the tire so they can last a little bit longer i think so that already is a pretty complicated way of you know a controlling strategy and you know producing differences between different teams and different drivers and cars to see who can you know who can come out on top eventually so yeah i think that that's my opinion i think i think refueling coming back is probably not the best the best solution in the direction that F1 has taken in the past, you know, past decade or so with the changes. No, and, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that point and, and what you mentioned earlier as well in terms of the safety, safety being one of the rationales for refueling. Refueling accidents in a pit stop are, I think, the most horrifying accidents I've watched in sport. It is, um, it, while, you know, all of them wear flame retardant um, jackets, everyone who's working in the pit crew, it is just a jarring sight to see this massive, like a person being completely engulfed in a flame in like a split second. Um, so that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, the, the, the tire point is also a fun one again, given this year, uh, I think one of the more, one of the more fun races, probably not for race strategy, but more for uh, just watching people panic at the end as their, as their tires, uh, tires are exploding with, with Silverstone. So it, it is just a fun um, addition, but yeah, something that's uh, th th that continues to be fun as we go through each of the races. I, I also wanted to bring up, you know, just in, in way of point changes, one other uh, item that F1 kind of went back and forth on. So in 2002, um, you know, one of the races where Barrichello was leading uh, Ferrari, um, Ferrari kind of gives the team order for Barrichello to step away and let Shumi overtake. Shumi obviously did this dramatic thing of like, you know, wanted to bring him up on the podium and Barrichello was like, bro, I still finished second. This makes no difference to my life. Uh, but anyway, so, so as a result, Formula One banned team orders in 2002. Uh, in 2011, they bring it back. I should say as someone who's been like, 
casually watching F1 for a while and now more recently getting into it more, like again more seriously. The highlight of my week is that Monday afternoon team radio, like the radio highlights release. Uh, so it, it, it obviously adds, I do think it adds something to Formula 1 makes it exciting. But what do you think the role of, you know, team orders and team radio should be and is in the Model F1? Because I think it is somewhat, um, I, I do know fans do have sometimes a bit of an issue with um, some of the overtaking that, that happens as instructed by teams like the Barrichello incident. What, what are your guys' thoughts on team orders? So, I just quickly take that one and because my take on this is not very long. Okay, I don't mind it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be honest with your drivers that we are not here just for you. This, when we are, say, Mercedes or Ferrari or any team, there is another racer. And as much as we would love to see both of you have at each other's throat, it doesn't bode well for us as a team. You're just kind of ruining our chances at improving the car for you next season. <laughs> you know, you're giving a fighter's chance to people behind you. Okay, so I don't mind that aspect where, you know, teams can dictate who overtakes whom within themselves. Again, team radios that have possibly become the most... Uh, helpful tool to a driver in the sense that there is so much strategy involved which Fuzel spoke about very well in terms of the tires. So strategy is a big deal. So to the point that you see so much strategy convergence in F1 right now. The top three, if you don't pit within a lap of each other, you might get caught out because the middle of the pack pits immediately after and then you get caught behind them. So you you miss out the right time for a pit stop by a lap or two laps, you could <laughs> you could kind of count your race over. So so I don't I don't think the team radio instructions need any change from what they are currently. Work perfectly fine. Don't cause and let's be honest, the drivers do understand that they are part of a team. As much as, say, Weber was annoyed on at while standing on the podium, right? You could you could have a go at everyone from there, but that even though there is complete denial by Vettel <laughs> that I'm not I'm not going to do what they want me to do over here. Those instances are not as many. If you think about it, 2020 season, you'll you'll see enough number of instances where people have been allowed or people rather allow their teammate to pass because well, they are ahead in the driver's standings or, or you don't want the guy behind him to compete with him. You take, you take the onus of defending those points for the team because you are not as high up in the driver's standing. So that's my take on it. So there you can. <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I think team orders are an important aspect of the sport because I think primarily what the sport is, is a battle to win the championship between 10 teams more than it is a champ- It is a battle between 20 drivers because Mercedes is out there trying to win a championship and Hamilton and uh, Bottas are basically their employees, their tools to get that done. You know, they just have, they are, they are just a team that are trying to compete and they are hiring talent to help them achieve that goal. So it's, 
so I think the the Mercedes's priority is going to be to make sure their two drivers finish in the highest positions possible. Not they aren't going to really bother or care about if Bottas finishes first or Hamilton finishes first because at the end of the day they are getting forty three or forty four points, right? So I think the 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 um, importance with sometimes team orders is to is for the team to ensure that their drivers don't end up crashing and throw away those potential 43 or whatever points that they have at the minute because we've seen that happen before if they just let two drivers who are who are you know battling for the championship battle it doesn't always end well for mercedes is a very good example of that so um, I think it's important for team orders because it helps the team ensure, you know, guarantee safety in terms of points. The other thing it's sometimes uh, if a driver is clearly quicker than the other and, you know, if he's getting impeded by his teammate, they can just let him, let them pass and, you know, may, maybe hopefully down the road make, uh, you know, make inroads on uh, on other uh, teams and then, you know, maybe get more points. Like if my drivers are stuck in sixth and seventh and the drivers in se- driver in seventh is quicker, maybe he can pass and, you know, catch up with the guy in fifth and make pass and, you know, the, the team ends up getting a, little, a few more points that way. Um, yeah, so like, and like you said about defending, like sometimes the owners should be on, on, on some other driver who's below in the championship standings to, you know, to defend or they, they could, they could even work with strategy. I think the, the effect of a, a good toe, a DRS, things like that is very understated in Formula One because if I'm a driver in second and my teammates in first, I could like on the straights, definitely I'm going to have a pace advantage, right? I could, uh, because of DRS, I'm going to be quicker. I'm going to be behind him in the slipstream. Not as, I'm not going to have as much drag. and I'm just going to have a higher top speed. Now that if I decide to, if I decide to overtake, I overtake, like I still keep my, I turn my engine up. I, I, you know, turn up, put on my DRS and I, I go. But the, on the flip side, if, um, uh, if I need to save fuel, if I need to conserve my tires, if I need to control my engine temperatures, my tire temperatures, at that point, it is much more beneficial for me to just turn my engine down, turn my fuel down and, you know, stay behind the car because he is dragging me along anyway. He is still using more power than I am. He's, and I'm still getting the benefit of staying behind him because he gets most of the drag and I get DRS and I get the slipstream and I'm still managing to keep up with him. I'm still doing the same lap times while using my tires less, while using my engine less, while using less fuel. So I think team orders, the team could basically, you know, uh, orchestrate this pretty well if they, you know, if they get it right. Like Hamilton could stay behind, save his tires for 60 laps out of a 65 lap, lap race. And then if he now, now he's like, okay, I want to win. And my tires are in a better condition. My engine's in a better condition. I've got more fuel to burn and I can push for the last five laps and then go for an overtake. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of strategic aspects to having team radio. I think without that, it would be a little more chaotic for the team than it would be for the drivers. So. Uh, I think the the models are a, are an important part of the sport that we don't quite see, we don't quite think about as much because you know it's not something we, we don't quite fathom the importance. Yeah, it, I mean that it, because we don't. Yeah, we don't hear about it enough. We don't know what's going on in the team engineers, the team principal. I don't. I don't know at any given moment what Toto Wolf is thinking about because you know I don't see it. I can only see what the drivers are doing. So. And, and to begin with, whatever he's thinking about, he's going to guard so closely. <laughs> he doesn't want absolutely anyone to know those things. Yeah. But 
he has a championship winning team so and great strategy race after race doing wonders for both their races and the team okay maybe not for the second racer as much but for the team and what fuzel just spoke about kind of puts into perspective also that there is one very comp one absolutely jarring argument which a lot of people like to make now which could be a, a different podcast episode all in itself is if formula 1 is now more controlled or dictated by the people on the pit wall as opposed to being a sheer racing competition and i i don't think we should even begin to discuss that because well it, we we're getting nowhere <laughs> not not in this podcast episode we need to do a lot more in terms of discussing that one but again another one which i like to point out which happened this season itself is um, the party mode getting banned so what are your thoughts i mean i'm not very clear on that one so if suzel or krishna you know more please go for it Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take this one. Because I know, I know Mercedes basically didn't care. It was like, yeah, party mode's banned, and we'll still dominate. I mean, it was like almost a nonchalant brush off their shoulder. Uh, so I don't think there was too much concern right. from them. So I think, I, I think taking away party mode from, say, certain teams, kind of hampers their qualification performance. But what people, I'm. I don't understand what they were looking at. Were they trying to make Mercedes less competitive when they did it? Because it has done absolutely nothing. <laughs> they, they are still as good as they were when they had well party mode, as they call it, which is basically a different engine mode. Yeah, which channels more power for them in the qualification sessions, which you're not allowed to use, by the way, in the race. so it's because I, i think the party mode basically entails the fact that uh, these engines can now consume more fuel and have more i guess electrical energy at their disposal to go all out for one lap i guess uh, they don't i mean they don't have it available in the race at all but they only use party mode for a couple laps for that push because obviously it's detrimental to the engine to use it for that long because the engine heats up a lot doing that and they need to like you know calm it down very quickly so they can't do it in a race um i think i yeah like you said very well i don't see the benefit in taking it away because they're taking it away from every team so eventually it's still a level playing field where mercedes is still you know head and shoulders above the rest so i don't see the benefit in taking it away i don't because you know okay mercedes is using party mode maybe their party mode was a little more effective than uh, someone else's some other teams so um you know it, it, i think it, I, like even if they took it off mercedes still took pole by i don't know like a few tens and they still ended up locked ended up blocking out the front row of the grid so yeah it was one of the more more useless roles but I guess if it helps teams conserve engines a little longer, then hey, hope. which they need to, yeah, <laughs> new guidelines. But I think we covered some really, really good ones out of all the changes which happen in a very dynamic sport in terms of regulations and rules. So, just to summarize, we went through the changes in the engine capacity, the point system. 
tires and refueling which are more to do with race strategy those are the big ones and the team radio which is again a strategic one and with that i think it's time to thank fuzel for all he's spoken about today he's added so much so much and i think krishnan and i would have had the most boring <laughs> unidirectional podcast without fuzel <laughs> yeah, it would be so, like clueless blind like definitely me blind leading the blind sort of <laughs> No, no, I genuinely appreciate like you guys having me on board as well. Like, just to, you know, it, it was a great opportunity for me as well, just to speak about you know, or like speak about the sport that we've been following for so long. It's just nice. So I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. More than happy. So, so again, to sign off, guys, do all the things you know you're supposed to do. If you like what you're watching or hearing, follow us on all our socials, which will be linked in the description. And thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, remember yeah. to subscribe to Zenith Online Racing on YouTube. <laughs> thank you so much, guys, for joining. Bye bye.